0: Okay folks, we'll get started. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, I'll read in uh, 1 Corinthians 13:8 through13. First Corinthians 13:8 through13. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that uh, you are pleased to... Uh, Give us uh, this perfect word, uh, a complete word, a word that is uh, sufficient for us uh, to guide us in all of life, in all of faith, and in all of godliness, and we thank you that this is the case. We pray that more and more our lives will uh, be brought into conformity to this your word. And uh, we thank you for the Holy Spirit poured out in our hearts. Uh, We thank you that uh, by the Holy Spirit poured out in our hearts, you uh, give to us uh, your love and incline our hearts to toward you and uh, toward one another uh, so that uh, we will uh, more and more uh, love you and love our neighbor and we pray that uh, this will be the case in increasing measure. And uh, we thank you for the Apostle Paul who's given us a standard uh, of love, uh, this description in First Corinthians 13. And uh, we ask that uh, you'll be pleased to bless us so that uh, by the power of the Spirit working in our hearts more and more, we will Uh, fit that description of love. Uh, So bless us to this end, we pray, and uh, grant that there will be a testimony uh, to your grace uh, in our uh, personal lives and in uh, the life of our congregation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, We're going to look at a little Greek this morning. Don't be alarmed. Uh, If you've just had Latin, that's okay. And if you've not had Latin or Greek, uh, that's okay too. Uh, It won't make any difference as far as uh, the actual lesson is concerned, I think. Uh, Number one in our uh, outline, uh, our basic premise, once again, love is the sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit for this present age. Uh, That that, uh, this love, as uh, described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, is uh, the uh, sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We we take it that this is the case. Uh, The special gifts of prophecy, knowledge, and tongues have ceased to be the special signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. At the beginning of the New Testament age, they were the standard signs, the normative signs, the special signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We see this clearly in Scripture. And the position we're taking with regard to 1 Corinthians 13 is that these signs cease as the standard for... Uh, the evidence of love in, or the evidence of the Holy Spirit in uh, the lives of individuals. Uh, as I say, we now have the perfect and complete Word of God, which is a sufficient guide for us in everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so when the perfect comes, uh, this is the idea in uh, uh, the text, verse 10. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And the partial is a reference to uh, prophecy, uh, special knowledge, and tongues. And in 2 and 3, I want to just explore from uh, what I would say, uh, uh, perhaps a counseling perspective. Uh, I'm uh, an advocate of the fact that... uh, uh, a lot of counseling can be done corporately. Uh, that is, you don't point your finger at individuals and <laughs> uh, point out uh, specific problems. But uh, it seems to me in preaching and teaching that uh, a, a lot of counseling can uh, go on corporately. And uh, so, th- so this is kind of my idea in uh, 2 and 3. Suggestions on how to, to approach person, people whom we believe are converted but also seem to have difficulty shunning certain unhealthy and ungodly activities. And uh, this this was uh, uh, comes out of a question that we had uh, at the end of class uh, last week. And uh, I, I want to uh, approach this a little bit more, uh, but from uh, a little bit different perspective. And uh, I think, first of all, we need to remember that Uh, once again, that all that we're talking about is couched in the uh, understanding of this complete section uh, where we find 1 Corinthians 13. That is 12, 13, and 14. Where Paul, uh, if you look at 12.1 once again, uh, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, and uh, the language is actually now concerning spiritual things, brothers. This would be a proper way to translate the text. So Paul is launching into a discussion of vital spiritual matters. And of course, this whole idea of love is one of the vital spiritual matters that he explores in this section. But it's striking, and we have to remember that the very first spiritual matter that Paul addresses is our confession of faith. Verse 3, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit or by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by or in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so it's a confession, it's a heartfelt confession born of the Spirit uh, about which Paul is speaking. Of course, a lot of people can say, well, I believe Jesus is Lord. I don't believe anything He says, but I believe that He's Lord. <coughs> You'd say, well, that's a little contradictory, but but people go down that path because They're not uh, serious Christians. In other words, we would say in the end, they're not born again. Uh, Born again people uh, take seriously the confession, Jesus is Lord. And uh, so that's, uh, that's the environment in which uh, all of, uh, about which we're speaking uh, is found uh, in the circles, in the environment in which the Lordship of Jesus Christ is taken seriously. Uh, this is a confession of uh, the great confession of christianity and uh, so now we come uh, to two individuals who uh, whom we believe are converted they, they have the confession uh, but also seem to have difficulty in various areas of life and uh, uh, i want to say and so what's new <laughs> Uh, and uh, the particular concern uh, that we may have is, is that uh, uh, individuals are, uh, it, it appears to us, they have the proper confession, they have uh, manifest love uh, within their lives, and uh, they seem to be, uh, have difficulty shedding uh, certain problems. And uh, we could name all sorts of problems. And this is why I say, so what's new? And uh, uh, we, we all have difficulties uh, in certain areas of life. And none of us have reached perfection yet. Uh, as uh, I like to say, uh, we all have a personal biblical theology. Every one of us has a, a, a theology, a biblical theology And the question then becomes, how biblical is our theology? Does it conform to Scripture? And as we go through life, more and more, what we're seeking to do is to have our lives conform to the teachings of the Bible. And we're all going to be caught short in various areas. Uh, of our lives. It doesn't matter who we are uh, because we have not uh, come to perfection, we have not reached perfection yet. We haven't come to heaven, we haven't gone through the resurrection and been made perfect in body and soul uh, quite yet. And uh, so we have to to uh, keep this in mind. And uh, th- this doesn't mean we should make excuses for one another. But what I'm driving at is that uh, uh, you, you may have family members about which you're concerned. And I, I understand that. Uh, Irma and I have family members about which we are concerned. Uh, I think uh, all of us uh, are in that uh, circumstance. So how should we uh, deal with this? How should we approach uh, people like this? See, last week I said uh, uh, that we have to remember some of the things that I just reviewed. And the thing that I neglected to uh, say to you and uh, to point the finger at myself uh, about is that we're talking about the love of God poured out in our hearts as described by the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians 13. And so we have to remember in approaching others uh, in our family and Uh, who are friends of ours, to exhibit the love of God. This is the first thing, it seems to me, uh, that we need to remember. We want to bring correction in various areas, uh, but uh, remember when we talked about this, love is patient. (laughs) And so we have to exhibit this love and patiently, Patiently speak the truth in love with others. This is what's so important. And uh, it doesn't matter who uh, the family members are or the friends are. Uh, The great testimony, the great evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life is love as described by the Apostle Paul. And so uh, when uh, we're uh, working with others that seem to have difficulty, uh, this is the first thing we need to remember. Oh, yes, we can, we can bring counsel to them, but we have to do it lovingly. And uh, we need, can bring correction to them when appropriate. We must do it lovingly. And uh, so I'm just pressing that issue uh, upon us, and I'm pressing that issue upon myself myself, uh In this regard, because I remember uh, so well uh, sitting at uh, the dining room table with our family and uh, getting impatient with one of my daughters who would bring up a subject uh, about uh, from the morning sermon and uh, uh, play the devil's advocate with her father and poke as much as possible. See. Uh, I'm sure our pastor has never experienced that sort of thing. Uh, So uh, at any rate, uh, you you see, uh, we have to remember our posture as advocates of love and of individuals who stand for the love of God. And uh, we must uh, pull ourselves in and rein ourselves in and understand uh, that this is the case. So uh, a little bit there, uh, which is a little bit of review. Uh, but then number three, suggestions on how to interface with family members who are in charismatic circles. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll remind you of the fact that uh, I came to a saving knowledge of Christ through the ministry of an Assemblies of God uh, fellow. He was a chaplain in the army. And uh, I remember him well. He's He's gone to be with the Lord now. And I know that he loved Jesus Christ. He had the confession that Jesus is Lord. And uh, he, he manifested uh, that love and that care and that concern to me on uh, many, many, many occasions. And uh, I'll, I'll be always grateful and thankful uh, for that. And uh, as I uh, testified to you in an earlier class, he dearly wanted me to become a, a minister in the Assemblies of God Church, and and I could have been a minister in the Assemblies of God Church. Uh, so I, I met the qualifications uh, to be a minister uh, in that denomination. Uh, God had other plans, and I'm glad for that. God had other plans, and that's one reason we're, we're here in Indianapolis now, because... God had other plans. Thank you, Lord, uh, that this is the case. Uh, At any rate, uh, so I'm familiar uh, uh, with this sort of thing. And uh, I say to you again, uh, you see, you have friends or family members uh, that are uh, uh, involved in charismatic circles. The first thing is, what is their confession of faith? Do they make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ? Do they trust Jesus Christ? Do they know Jesus Christ and they confess Him as Lord? First question. And again, you see, all of that which we're talking about is in this atmosphere and this envelope of this confession of faith. Okay, and so we would say... Well, uh, they don't have some things that are exactly straight or exactly right. Okay. Uh, uh, once again, do all of us have everything straight and everything quite right and quite correct? Uh, my guess is no. This is why we come to church weekly, and this is why we study weekly. And once again, I'll, I'll go back to this idea of our biblical, our own theology. Our own theology. You see, now uh, we have the privilege of work, uh, uh, worshiping in a, a church that is uh, reformed. And uh, some would say reformed and Calvinistic. See, and in some circles that 's not a very nice word Calvinistic and uh, uh, are are we thoroughly reformed? See, where do we stand on that see th- there 's another question: uh, Are we all in conformity to the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith and the larger and shorter catechisms see, uh, there we go see, we have we have room to grow we have space to grow we have uh places where we can mature uh, how uh does our view of evangelism measure up with the reformed faith uh, uh versus a, a more fundamentalistic faith you see uh, there are these kind of questions uh, that we can ask and uh, uh with regard to the bible and uh, so I'm trying to put this whole issue of uh, the charismatic in a, in a broader context, you see, a broader context in which all of us have, are on a journey and we are all on a journey to bring our lives more in conformity to what the Bible teaches. Okay, And uh, so if we have friends and family members uh, that are involved in, Uh, The charismatic, you see. I say, uh, do they love Jesus Christ? Good. And as you approach them, approach them with the love of God in your heart. And the manifestation of the love of God in your heart. Because in the end, it's the love of God that's going to capture the hearts of others. I, I really think that that's, that's the case. And when there's opportunity to talk about uh, other issues, then the door in God's providence, when it opens, you can talk about these things. When the confession of faith is there and when the love of God in your heart is there, then uh when the door is open, there's going to be an ability to talk about uh, some of these other things and these other issues and uh, so, uh, th- this is why I think uh our study of uh, first corinthians is is really so so important as we uh, interface with uh, other individuals and uh, Uh, I'll give you some opportunity at the end of the class to uh, interact with me a little bit more on some of this. Okay, Uh, uh, remember where we are in 1 Corinthians 13. In the first three verses, uh, Paul uh, uh, makes a distinction between love and uh, special gifts, prophecy, knowledge, and tongues especially. And the priority of love. In verses 4 through 7, Paul describes this love. And in uh, verses 8 uh, and following, Paul argues that uh, not only is love the priority, but uh, uh, these other uh, special gifts cease as a standard for understanding the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, so, uh, it's verse 10 that we bore down on. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And uh, I've maintained that the perfect is the perfect Word of God and so at the end of the apostolic age when the canon is complete when we have the full and complete word of god uh, the idea would be tongues knowledge prophecy cease as special signs of the presence of the holy spirit in our lives and uh, this this is what paul means uh, when he makes these uh, distinctions uh, Verse 10 again. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And he's just, he's just drawing out this distinction uh, a little bit more. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And uh, we're maintaining that we see Jesus Christ face to face in scripture. That this is, is uh, the idea. Uh, the perfect Uh, I'm arguing, is not the perfection of heaven, but uh, it's the perfect Word of God. For now we see in a a mirror dimly, but then face to face. uh, Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, In verses 12 and 13, uh, and this is where we're coming uh, this morning, in verses uh, 12 and 13, it seems uh, uh, as a first glance uh, theology or as a first glance interpretation Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known, that uh, the now is the present age, and the then is the age to come after the resurrection. It seems uh, that that's the case. Uh, uh, And last week I argued that the knowledge that uh, Paul is talking about uh, is knowledge that we uh, gain in this life through uh, study and meditation and uh, this sort of thing. It, it's knowledge that we would gain by uh, studying the, the perfect Word of God. That's the idea that Paul has here. And uh, 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 so I, I want to look this morning a little bit more closely at these, the word now uh, that's used in uh, the Bible here. And uh, if you look at number five in uh, the handout, uh, I've uh, given you the word in Greek that's translated now. And you, and you don't need to know Greek. You just need to be able to see the differences between the words that are written uh, 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 in the handout. For now, you see, there's the Greek word, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Uh, Then I shall know uh, fully, just as I have been fully known. And we we worked on that part of of the text last week. But now, uh, a Greek word again, abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, uh, you see there are two different words there. Uh, For the word now, uh, you see that that's the case in in the handout? There are two different words now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul is utilizing two different words for the word now in these two verses. What's up with that? See, Guys like me, and I'll include our pastor in this, guys like each of us, we look at that and we say, okay, what's up with this? And uh, so we do a little investigation, uh, is the idea. Uh, so in verse or in number six, I say in verse twelve, uh, the word translated now refers to the immediate present, uh, 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 something that takes place at once or immediately or now in uh, the present circumstance. See, now I'm talking with you. <laughs> See, is the idea. At this moment, I'm talking with you. That's the idea uh, in uh, this particular word. And uh, so I want you to compare a couple of texts with me. Work with me here. Work with me. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. We're going to look at another place where uh, the uh, Apostle Paul uh, speaks in a similar fashion, all right? I know I'm getting down into the weeds here a little bit. <laughs> so so uh, you, you have to work with me. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, and uh, we're at verse 9. As we have said uh, said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching... Uh, to you, a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I, uh, for am I now seeking the approval of man, or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And, and uh, the word that I'm interested in is in verse, uh, verse. Uh, Verse 10, for am I now seeking approval of man? What is Paul saying? Now, as I'm writing to you, in this moment, as I'm writing to you, am I seeking approval of man? You get what's taking place here? Now, in this very moment. See, this is the idea that the Apostle Paul has here. And and uh, this is the idea uh, that comes to us in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly. See, now as I'm speaking to you, now as I'm writing this letter to you, in this moment, in contrast to uh, the idea of now as a long period of time, that might cover 2,000 years. No. In this moment, uh, as I'm uh, speaking to you. Uh, So uh, this is part of the idea. Uh, uh, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 4. And uh, verse 20, uh, Paul says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. You see, as he writes uh, to the church at Galatia, he's writing and he said, I wish I could be with you right now. <laughs> you see, in this moment as I'm writing to you, That's the idea uh, of of the particular word that uh, the Apostle Paul is using. Uh, When I was working on this, uh, I was reminded of a question uh, I received uh, not not too long ago from uh, 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 one of our uh, church members asking me about the use of the, the, uh, uh, the pronoun you in the Bible. And it's striking, isn't it? The question was, in the original language, uh, can you tell the difference between you singular and you plural? <laughs> well, in the original language, you can tell the difference between you singular and you plural. And uh, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, it gets a little confusing because you don't know uh, uh, whether the writer, uh, the Apostle Paul, is speaking about you, the congregation, or you as an individual. And you have to do a little bit of uh, study uh, to discern that. Well, see, we're we're faced with the same problem here with the word now. Uh, In the original language, it's two different words. But you don't get that in the English, uh, unfortunately. We we don't have two different words uh, here for that. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, uh, back to number five, you see the text. For now we see in a mirror dimly, uh, uh, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I have been fully known. Paul is speaking about the immediate moment, now, during the time that I'm writing to you, and uh, uh, you receive this letter, and uh, uh, it, it may be uh, as the U.S. Postal Service, uh, several weeks later, uh, you may receive the letter. Uh, but now, you see, in this immediate time frame, uh, that's what we're uh, talking about. And uh, we have a different word, and it's uh, uh, but now. But now, and you notice uh, the adversative here, but, but now. And uh, the reason there's a capital uh, letter there is that in uh, the original language, the the nuni, uh, the now comes first. But now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Uh, Number eight, the time frame in mind as he speaks in 1 Corinthians 12, is the period in which he lived and ministered in contrast to a long interval of time consisting of millennia. That would be the first now. Uh, uh, Number nine, the word translated now in verse 13, which is different than the word now in verse 12, seems to confirm this. In this word, the idea of time may be weakened or entirely absent. It's a different thought, it's a different idea. So let's compare a couple of verses here. Uh, Ephesians two thirteen. I'm making you work hard here. <laughs> Ephesians two thirteen. Uh, Let's uh, start up in the text a little bit uh, with verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In other words, something has happened and you have entered a new era. You have entered a new uh, station of life before God. Now, now you are in Christ Jesus. And uh, this could be said about you at the time you were converted, six months after you were converted, uh, 12 years after you converted, 45 years after you were converted, on your deathbed, now you are in Christ Jesus. You see, it it, it isn't a reference to a narrow, uh, specific period of time uh, 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 here, but it's but it's this uh, different idea that you are operating in a new uh, uh, sphere of life, as it were. But now, in Christ Jesus, things are all different. Uh, and so Paul is laying before us uh, a little bit different concept in his uh, use of the word now. Uh, and uh, then there's a, a second text here, 1 Corinthians 15. Back to First Corinthians, First Corinthians fifteen, and verse twenty. Here's the English Standard Version. But in fact, Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead. It's the same word. And I looked on one of my Bible programs, and virtually all of the other translations have "but now." Uh, The King James Version has but now. The uh, the New American Standard Version has but now, you see, reflecting that word in the original language. But uh, the English Standard Version is is picking up an emphasis in the word, but in fact, but now, uh, Christ has been raised from the dead. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're, you're a day away from uh, the resurrection. You're, you're, you're like the, the ladies that went to the tomb and found the tomb empty. Or whether you're like the disciples on the Emmaus Road later who encountered Jesus Christ. Or it doesn't matter if you're like the Apostle Paul who later has a vision of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. See? It's in fact now, see, uh, Christ has been raised from the dead. And uh, the reference isn't to a specific narrow time. Uh, this is the idea that's being portrayed uh, in the text for us. Uh, okay, uh, so now let's go back to... Uh, no pun intended. Uh, let's go back to, uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. And uh, read the text again. For now... You see, as I'm writing to you in this narrow time frame, uh, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, uh, before the completion of Scripture, now uh, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. In other words, now in this narrow uh, portion of time, I see it in a mirror dimly, but when the perfect comes, I will in fact understand that faith, hope, and love abide permanently. The first now does not refer to you when you read these words in verse 12. You have to shift gears a little bit. The first now refers to when the Apostle Paul wrote these words and when the Corinthians read these words. goes back to that period of time. And... The second now the, it, uh, the, that first now refers to a very narrow period of time that second period that second now refers to millennia, millennia now abide, faith, hope and love. these three and uh uh, what I'm arguing is that uh, uh, the use of this language supports the idea that the perfect in verse 10 is scripture, so that before the scripture is completed, the special gifts are evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit and principal evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But once Scripture is complete, now in this present age, love as described in Scripture is the principal evidence of the presence of the holy spirit in our lives. So l- let me let me quickly uh, just go through uh, what I've written here. This sense of the word now is what we have in 1 Corinthians 13 13 but now abide faith hope love these three but the greatest is love. At the inauguration of this age, tongues, prophecy, and special knowledge held a significant place. Paul lived during that time. Of that period, Paul was able to say, now we see in a mirror dimly. Now we know in part. Paul also recognized the transitory and temporary nature of tongues, prophecy, and special knowledge. When these special uh, gifts will no longer be needed, now... In this present era, these special gifts are not needed as evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you can see the difference in the use of the word now, you see. Our study seems to confirm the position that the perfect, of verse 10, is the completed and perfect Word of God. Tongues cease as the standard sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Love, defined by the Apostle John, described by the Apostle Paul, empowered by the Spirit, exercised in the context of the confession that Christ is Lord, and exemplified by Jesus Christ, is our standard. This is where we go. And uh, this is the love into which you and I of necessity, must grow. And we will, by the plan and purpose of God, grow. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank You for uh, the fact that You do love us through Jesus Christ. We thank You that uh, we have... uh, Uh, a process of growth uh, through which you are taking us. And we're learning together. And we pray that you'd be pleased to uh, bless us in this process of uh, our lives being more and more brought into conformity to uh, the love that you have expressed to us in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we pray that... uh, Uh, This love will be manifest in our own personal lives and in the life of our congregation. Uh, Bless us to this end and grant us Your grace uh, that this will surely be the case, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.